What's going on, coaches? You're tuned in to keep your pads down. We split double teams, dominate the line of scrimmage, and take up residence in your quarterback's dome. That's right. This is the podcast for the defensive line. So wherever you are, thank you for checking us out today. Well, we are back to talking D-line play today after our first installment of our fourth and one episodes last week with Duck Dynasty's Al Robertson. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Got a lot of great feedback from it. If you haven't had a chance to hear our conversation with Al yet, uh, go back and give that one a listen. He has a great story, a lot of wisdom that is applicable for, for of course, everyone, but uh, I think especially coaches uh, as we deal with young people. And he kind of talks about his struggles as a young person and, and the impact that uh, people in positions of influence had on him. So I think it's a really great listen for all coaches and and really anyone who is um, you know taking care of young people. Anyway, our audience is growing each week, and that is due in large part to you guys who Keep giving us a listen and checking us out every week. So thank you for that and for telling your friends about us. Keep doing that. We really, really appreciate it. Now, before we jump into our conversation with today's guest, I need to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. Season three of Keep Your Pads Down is sponsored by Our Coaching Network. Our Coaching Network is a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights and we'll have 150-plus hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year. With each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. For all of you defensive line coaches and fans of this podcast, we are teaming up with Our Coaching Network to bring you a five-hour virtual defensive line clinic on Saturday, March 27th, which is just three weeks away. And we have a super talented group of coaches lined up as presenters for that day, so if you're a defensive line coach or someone looking to learn more about defensive line play, then this clinic is a must. Now, how can you get in on this clinic? Well, if you're already a member of our coaching network, then the clinic is free for you. And even if you can't catch all five presenters, the entire clinic will be available to you in the website's library for you to check out at your earliest convenience. If you haven't signed up with our coaching network yet, do it. It costs you 15 bucks a month. Okay, You can cancel at any time. So there is no better thing to invest in as a coach in your own personal growth and development. And this clinic is a great way to level up in your knowledge of coaching the defensive line and also connect with other coaches from around the country. So check out the link in today's show notes to join our coaching network today. And we'll see you March 27th. And I also have to tell you about our other sponsor for season three of KYPD, and that is GoEdit Graphics. GoEdit has really done a lot for us this season as far as helping us promote our episodes, and make announcements and connect with you guys, our listeners. What GoEdit Graphics does is allow any coach to create custom graphics by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. So if you're looking for a great way to promote the awesome things going on in your athletic program, then my man Zach and GoEdit Graphics has got you covered. Subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. And here's something cool that GoEdit is doing for KYPD listeners. Mention keep your pads down and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Go check them out on Twitter at GoEdit Graphics or visit their website through the link in today's show notes to see examples of the awesome graphics coaches have already created. Also, you can check out our Twitter feed as well because every graphic we create to promote our episode is created through GoEdit Graphics. Based out of Argyle, Texas, by the way. So once again, thanks to GoEdit Graphics for sponsoring our podcast this season. All right. Well, today we are joined by Katie High School defensive ends coach A.J. Blom. 
if you're from Texas and you know all about the you know the pride and, and the tradition and and frankly the dominance that is associated with Katy High School's uh, football program, uh, with nine state championships, the, the Katy program is not only one of the, the the premier programs in the state of Texas, but in the entire nation as well. The Tigers won their ninth title this past season in convincing fashion over Cedar Hill to wrap up an impressive 13 and one season. The 2020 season was Coach Blum's first at Katy after spending two seasons as a defensive line coach at the University of Houston. While at Houston, Coach Blum tutored junior defensive tackle Ed Oliver, who in 2018 became Houston's first three-time All-American and the university's first player to earn first-team All-Conference honors three times. Prior to his time at U of H, Coach Blum served as the assistant head coach, defensive coordinator, and defensive line coach at Spring Westfield High School, where he coached from 2009 to 2016. While at Spring Westfield, he coached and developed Ed Oliver into a five-star recruit, Under Armour All-American, and the number one defensive tackle in the state of Texas as a senior. Before his time at Spring Westfield, Coach Blum spent five seasons at Klein Forest High School, just across the street there from Spring Westfield, after breaking into coaching at Livingston High School in 2003. Coach Blum was born and raised in Bryan, Ohio, and attended Ashland University, where he was a four-year starter at Nose Guard and a three-year captain. Coach was all-conference, 96, 97, 98, and played three years in the Arena Football League with Augusta, Orlando, and Carolina. Today, Coach Blum and I talk about the importance of details when it comes to coaching, and then we dive into how he coaches get-off with his defensive ends. I also ask Coach about what the transition was like from coaching high school to college football, what it was like coaching someone like Ed Oliver, and what is it exactly that makes Katie, Katie. All of that and a whole lot more. So grab your pen a notebook, and buckle up for our conversation with Coach A.J. Blum on episode number 96 of KYPD. Coach Blum, well, first of all, uh, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Second of all, congratulations on another state championship for you guys over there, Katie. I appreciate it, Ty. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I heard a lot about this podcast, and you know, it's awesome to be a part of it. And uh, you know, appreciate it with the the win in the state title game. It's uh, it's been quite an experience. You know, a first for me, um, but obviously multiples for guys on staff. So. You know, that's an experience in itself. I've always wondered, you know, because I kind of like you, I joined a staff that had won a, won a championship and had played for, for back-to-back titles. And, you know, you hear them you hear them talk about, you know, what it's like to, to, to play for a state championship, what it's like to win, win one. And, and, you know, you kind of feel like an outsider a little bit because you, you can't really jump into the conversation, right? Like, you're just like, oh, that's cool. Um, and yeah, so I, mean- I can imagine actually – you know, getting it done and winning it now, you feel like you're a full patch member. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it, it it's an elite club, you know, that everyone in the state is trying to be a part of, and um, you know, it is it is kind of weird. You come in and you know you're on the outside and you're kind of you know seeing who else is on staff that's trying to you know get it get their first one, and um, you know, you just want to try to pull your own weight. And, and and try to you know make sure that it it meets the standards of the guys that have already 
been there and achieved it because you know they know i i can imagine kind of like 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 i did that you sort of take a lot of cues from those guys and just seeing how they handle things and you know as you get deeper into the season and the pressure ratchets up a little bit you know it's it's nice to have those guys who have been there and and know what to expect and and it's you know this is sort of you know old hat for them so to speak that it's it's nice to have those guys there to kind of help you. Yeah, I mean, I think it it goes along the lines of, um, you know, iron sharp iron sharpens iron, and you know, in the standpoint of, um, you know, you know, I felt like some of the attributes that I brought to the table may may have been a little more, uh, you know, weighed a little stronger in regards to on field stuff, but with you know, you there's no substitute for experience you know, whether you're a player or a coach or an employee, um, you know, the only real way to, to do it is to actually, you know, go through it. So to, you know, <clears throat> kind of sit back in the shadows and watch the guys, see how the regular season, you know, played out, you know, and then, and then going into the postseason and, you know, just seeing the the nuances, the, in, the ins and outs and, you know, how things are done and, you know, I'm sure you experienced it yourself. You know, it's, it's a machine that's moving and you're just trying to get on it and not get run over by. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you guys definitely are are a machine down there. We're going to talk more about that later in our conversation, but first uh, let's talk about your background a little, a little bit and tell us how a guy from Bryan, Ohio wound up in Katy, Texas. in the first. Uh, It's been a, it's been quite a, quite a journey. You know, I, I was born and raised in Northwest Ohio, um, city, small town called Bryan, um, you know, played high school ball there and went on to a uh, division two school in Ohio, uh, called Ashland university. And, um, you know, had, had some pretty good success as an individual, um, you know, aside from the team success that we had, and, um, had the opportunity to, to go on and, you know, have some free agent workouts and, you know, had a cup of coffee in the arena football league back when linemen played both ways and they kind of really, you know, it was really Ironman football. Um, you know, I just happened to be staying in Orlando when I played with the predators at a place where my future wife was, you know, an employee, um, leasing the uh, condominiums there. So, um, lo and behold, she's from Pearland, Texas. And that kind of, that kind of summed up, you know, how things were going to play out in the future. Um, you know, I originally, after I was done playing, went and took a GA job back at, back at Ashland. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, I found out after about two weeks that I wasn't ready to be a coach. Um, you know, I was playing ball for 17 years and, um, just the, uh, you know, just what I was going through from a physical, mental, emotional standpoint, you know, I, I hadn't had time to decompress and it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't right. The time, the time wasn't right for the adjustment. So, you know, um, I came back, I followed my heart and came back to Texas where, um, you know, my future wife came back and resided after we kind of did our deal and traveled around with the arena league and, um, you know, eventually got into, uh, teaching and coaching. And, um, you know, throughout a few stops, you know, I, I attempted multiple times to try to get on staff at, at Katie, you know, you, 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 you know, about Katie, I mean, 
being from Ohio, I knew about Katie, um, you know, and it's just one of those deals where, um, the, you know, the timing was right. The stars aligned, whatever you want to say. And, you know, coach Joseph had a spot and, you know, I was there to, to take it. So walk us through because, you know, Katie wasn't your first job in the state of Texas. And you talked about how you, you know, you were, uh, you know, looking at you know, breaking into Texas high school football. Talk about your journey uh, through that, because that's a really interesting story and a really an atypical one as far as a Texas. Man, it's, uh, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, I knew nothing when I came down here and uh, I, I met uh, one of my wife's sorority sisters, her husband, uh, who's now the principal at Klein Forest High School, Lance Alexander. He, he showed me this website, you know, and it was it happened to be the THSCA website. Um, you know, I, I got on the job board. Um, and I started pumping my resume out, uh, you know, and it was, you know, the hardest thing about it was I didn't get down here till October. Um, so, you know, I put my resume out probably about 2000 resumes and, and then ended up going to coaching school, um, and sat in the job room, uh, you know, and I was, and it was very humbling, um, because, you know, I, I was coming out of you know, playing for 17 years. Um, you know, I thought I had a, you know, Jay Gruden was one of my references who, you know, obviously, you know, coached in the NFL, but he was our head coach in Orlando. Um, you know, and I had some other guys, uh, and I, and I didn't think it would be that hard to really get a job. Um, and honestly, you know, it was really hard. Uh, it was probably the hardest eight months of living in the state. And, uh, you know, it came down to the, you know, I went to the job room and posted my resume on the board. And they used to have, you know, they used to have, I hear about how it used to be, but my first year there, they, they still had these burlap curtains where you could do, you know, a makeshift interview right in the side. They had these little stalls and you'd put your resume up there and there'd be a guy with a microphone. And, and if a coach saw your resume or whatever, he'd go to that microphone guy and, and you'd get your name called. And, uh, you know, I sat in that job room for probably two to three hours. And I remember guy sitting next to me, you know, he said, man, if I don't get my name called in the next 20 minutes, you know, I'm going back to work at Frito-Lay. And, you know, I just thought to myself, you know, what, what is going on? You know, is it, how, is this what it is? And, you know, thankfully uh, within a half hour or so I got my name called and, I ended up meeting with Walter Fortune, who at the time was the head coach at Livingston High School. And uh, he offered me the uh, varsity linebacker's job, and I ended up taking that. And, uh, you know, that was my first, <clears throat> you know, that, that was the first time I was hired in the state of Texas. And, and that in itself was an experience. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where I learned uh, very quickly that, you know, this state, this profession um, is really about getting in, you know, and it's not a, and it's not a matter of you can't get in. It's a matter of what you're willing to get into in order to get where you want to go, you know? And, and I, and I think that's one of the things that's lost in translation with this profession, especially when you look at a lot of younger coaches, you know, I remember myself, you know, two years removed from, you know, my first job, thinking I was ready to be a coordinator right you know and it's just one of those things where you know it's like anything in life you got to go through it and uh 
you know, it, it was a crazy journey and, uh, you know, I hope it's far from over, but, you know, it was a heck of a start. Yeah, coach, that's interesting. You know, I, I started my coaching career outside of the state of Texas, uh, in, in, in Mississippi and, and, you know, I won't get into my story, but started out, as, <laughs> started out as a volunteer and, and kind of worked my way up. And I remember when, when we were, we were coming to Texas, cause I, I thought I, I was like, you know what? Hey, I've been coaching now for four years. Like I, I'm ready to be a coordinator. Like, sure. Go. And and I remember talking to a guy that I, that I knew that had just got a head job in Texas and, uh, and, and after pretty much after talking with him and then I actually got on as a position coach, uh, in, in Kerrville and pretty mm-hmm. quick, I figured out that I was, I had no bit, I was nowhere near ready to be a coordinator. I had a, a little bit of thinking sure. that I was maybe farther along, uh, in my knowledge and understanding of the game than I was. So from Livingston, uh, where did you wind up? Okay. From Livingston, um, you know, it was, it was crazy in itself because my wife works downtown. Uh, in Houston. So, you know, we couldn't necessarily move to Livingston. Um, so we lived in the woodlands and, you know, that first year I was commuting 70 miles one way. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that in itself was, was quite a bear. So my biggest, you know, priority was getting back towards Houston. Um, I ended up taking a, a freshman job at Klein Forest High School. Um, Kenny Hammock had just uh, been named the head coach um, after Gene Johnson left. And, uh, you know, that year I was, a, I was, a I was a freshman coach. I was the, uh, you know, freshman a team defensive coordinator. That's what I did, you know, and it was one of those things where, you know, at the same time, you're, you're learning, you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, what seat to jump on, you know, while that, while that thing's moving, you know, flying by you. Yeah. So you know, you're, you're looking at any opportunity you can, whether it's, you know, obviously your conference period is one thing, but when you have the ability to still put time in and, you know, towards the kids and, and, and work in other athletic periods, you know, that there's so many things that factor into it. And, uh, you know, just fortunate to do that for a year and, um, an opportunity came and coach Hammock, uh, promoted me to the defensive line coach, uh, in my second season there. And, uh, continued to be the defensive line coach uh, for the next four years. So I was at Klein Forest for a total of five years. And then uh, from Klein Forest, I crossed over uh, Spring Stubner or Stubner Airline, whatever it is, on 1960 and went to Westfield High School, which kind of was a rivalry, but not really. You know, we played uh, Klein Forest a couple of years, but it, it, the, the two neighborhoods backed up to each other. So a lot of guys knew each other. Um, so, you know, I, I, I crossed the street and went over to Westfield high school. Um, at the time it was 2008 going into 2009. And I was at, I was at a point in my career where I knew I had seen, you know, how it worked and, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm trying to learn. You know, I'm still trying to learn. I want to learn every day. And I was in a situation where I wanted to see where I could go and learn. Um, and at the time, Corby Meekins was the president of the GHFCA. He was on the board of the THSCA, uh, very successful at Westfield High School. And uh, that was my next stop. You know, that's where I wanted to go. And I, I kind of sought that out. And lo and behold, there was an opportunity for me to coach defensive line there and uh, for the next, 
think it was seven or eight years. I, you know, I was at Westfield High School all the, uh, and, you know, came in as a defensive line coach and then was promoted to the offseason coordinator and then uh, eventually became the defensive coordinator and um, was a defensive coordinator for four, four years, 69, 69 games. Um, and then the University of Houston called. So it's just been kind of one of those deals. It's, you know, just trying to keep my head head down and, and grind and, uh, you know, kind of live where my feet are, you know, and just – and expect that it pays off. Yeah, I want to ask you about that because, okay, so just looking back at your history, so you barely get on to this Livingston – uh, uh-huh. at Livingston and that's not an ideal situation but right. you know you had to go there and that was like the way you got your foot in the door and then sure. you, you go from there and now you take a freshman job which again probably not what you would have picked if you could just pick any job but and then you're there you're you're a, you're a freshman coach one year and obviously they saw something in you to promote you up to to the varsity job where you know you were there for like you said for another four years and then part like that and going across the street and so you know, looking at your career, you've 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 kind of risen up the ranks methodically. You're not job jumping from job to job. You know, staying. I, I I guess if you could pinpoint it, like what do you think it is that you did or that you do now that caught the eye of someone above you that said, "Hey, we got to promote that guy." First and foremost, I coached and am coaching amazing football players. Um, you know, when I look back at some of the kids that I've coached and had the opportunity to be around, um, some coaches never get that chance in their life, you know, to, to be able to coach multiple all Americans, under armor guys, whatever, you know, whatever the award, it puts it in perspective when you go and you're with colleagues and you're talking to guys that have never had the opportunity to coach those kids. So I want to say that first, because you know, I feel like it's a testament. Um, yes, I do get, I have gotten a lot of talented kids that are, that are gifted, you know, they, they're gifted beyond all measures. Um, but I think the one thing that defines it is, um, is the attention to detail. You know, I feel like the mentality that I bring to the game when I'm around kids and the attention to detail, I think those two things, it, it's a, it's almost like a fuel, you know, and, and I, and I hate to sound arrogant about it, but the kids feed off it, you know, when they hear, you know, they know my voice, they know how loud I am. They know, they think it's anger, but it's really not, you know, but it, you know, in their eyes, perception's reality, but at the same time, to be able to praise a kid the same way, the same volume on the practice field that I would, if I was fixing a kid uh you know to see those kids feed off of that and and I'm a loud guy you know so when a guy makes a play on the D line there's a good chance that everyone in a you know a city block's going to hear it and 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 I'm not going to and I'm not going to hide from that and I'm going to celebrate that and I want to and my guys are they know that I'm going to celebrate that not only from a standpoint of I'm excited for them to do what they just did. But I want other people to make sure they see that my guys, I say my guys again, you know, you know what it's like coach, you know, (laughs) what that my guys, you know, I want, I want other people to know that my guys are doing what they're doing. 
And I think that's one of the, it's a unique tangible that, um, you know, it's not intentional, you know, it's just my, my love for their success. You know, it's, it's Katie's known for the run through banners before the game and at halftime. And I saw one and it, and it just gave me goosebumps because, um, I feel like that's kind of how I, I feel about the game of football and D line. You know, they said Katie football, or they said some, some call it obsession. We call it Katie football. That was the run through sign. And, and I thought that that was kind of, it kind of aligned with, with my coaching style because it is an obsession. It's an obsession of detail. And, you know, when the kids know how bought I am, bought in, I am to the details that are within the scheme, the details within the drill, um, they want to do it. You know, at the end of the day, you know, 99% of the kids that we coach, they're pleasers. Um, very rarely do you come across guys, especially on the defensive line, you know, I mean, I, I kind of joke about it. You know, we got to have a junkyard dog mentality, but as a coach, you want them as lap dogs. You want them wiggling their tail. You want to pat them on, you know, they, you want them sitting, you know, at your beck and call, you know? So at the same time, you, you want the best of both worlds. You want them to go out there and you want them to be successful with great detail and great technique. But at the same time, you want them to rip someone's face off. I, I love the, the, the attention to details. You know, to go back to, to my own story here, I grew a lot uh, those six years when I was in Kerrville, and a big part of that was being under the defensive coordinator that I, that I worked under. And and I've he's been on this podcast, and I've mentioned this phrase uh, a lot of times on this on this podcast. And that is uh, one thing, he, yeah. you know, and that was his, that was his big thing. And and you know whether it was drawing a play, you know, putting a, putting together a game plan and making sure everything is is just right. And, or, you know, whether it's, you know, planning out our drills or whatever it is we're doing that the off season schedule, it was details, dude. And, and so I, I think that's a huge thing. And that's one of those things that it's almost seems so insignificant. It's like, no, it's gotta be something more than that. Right. Like it's gotta be at scheme <laughs> or you had this huge, you had this great pedigree or, or whatever. Right. Like, because yeah. they, no one wants to hear that because it takes a lot of work and a lot of uh, attention to be really good at details. And, and, and at the same time, you know, when you really talk about details of a drill, if you're focusing on the details of the drill, you might break that one indie drill down into six different separate drills within itself. Yeah. And yeah. what you see now is guys just getting the reader's digest version at a clinic and they just want to teach what they saw. Okay, we're teaching takeoffs here. This is the takeoff drill where these guys are going to key the ball and redirect. But are we teaching that slam step on the on the redirect? You know, are we teaching them to run in a check mark path? Uh, you know, for a pursuit angle. Are they running flat down the line? Is it? It's the you know you can't run flat down the line if you want to make plays. Those are effort plays. If you're flat down the line in a pursuit drill, you're wrong. You know. So what? You, you, what can you do? And, and, uh, and I think it's kind of how I wired myself as a coach, but it, it really, it really validated it when you, when I went to Houston for two years, because the details that come within a practice session, you know, you're talking about, 
uh, you know, 20 to 30 support staff guys, you know, that are all involved and their job is that one detail of that drill. You know, they may be in charge of hitting a, you know, just wiggling a dummy while a guy's running by, um, you know, so the attention to detail, it's it, it, for a lot of people, it's, it's minutia, you know, they, they don't want to, it, it's too much. It's too much, you yeah. know, it, it's, let's, let's get the whole, you know, I was taught, I was taught as a coach, you want to go whole part whole. You know, you're going to show the kids the hole. We're going to move through the hole, and then we're going to stop, and we're going to break that thing down into parts. And then we're going to come back, and we're going to put it on video, and we're going to hole it up again. Yeah. And you're going to see the whole part whole, part whole. And, then, and, and, and I feel like that's a great way to teach because your parts are those details within the drill. And then when you go to that second hole, when you're doing the whole the whole drill again, now you can say, okay, which part do I have to go back and touch again? Yeah, I, I think when you do that, and there is a breakdown in in you know the way a kid is a technique. If you've broken it down to those parts, it's really easy to go back and just fix that part instead of having to do the whole drill again. Like, all right, oh, okay, well, your step is, see, you're, you're overstepping. So let's just go back. Instead of having to focus on doing the whole drill again, trying to catch something that's wrong, we just need to go fix your step. Exactly. And exactly. It, I think it makes it really, really simple to go back and fix an issue as opposed to just going out here. We're just going out here doing a drill. Like, we're just well, getting and, on. And what guys don't, you know, the hardest thing to, you know, I, I, get, I get ribbed, you know, in a, in a joking way, but. D linemen are different kids, man. They are wired differently. They're, they're weird. They're you, whatever eccentric, whatever the word is, there's always one in a group, but their attention spans are like moths to a flame. And you have to be, you have to vary it up. And I feel like when you break down those drills into the details, you're giving them new drills. Right. I mean, we were in week 15 getting ready to play Buddha Hayes. And we were walking through a new drill that we did in Indy on the Tuesday of that game week. You know, and it's those, you know, kids thrive off new stuff. And um, especially at the D-line position, you know, and, and as a coach, it's hard. You, you can get stuck you're stuck in your own rut of doing your everyday drills, doing your D-line drills, and, and kind of painting yourself into a corner. And then after the season's over, going back and saying, dang, man, I wish I would have worked on – you know, slant, slam, redirect, you know, I don't, you know, based on when you do your, you know, postseason breakdown. Well, you mentioned uh, earlier about, you know, you have been fortunate to coach some really good players. So, of course, one of those guys that I have to ask you about is is Ed Oliver. He played at Spring Westfield, obviously went on to start Houston. So talk about him. And, and you know, when you saw him coming up, what was like, when did you first know that he was going to be special and then as, as you saw him grow and develop, like what was it about his game specifically or what is it about his game specifically that makes him so devastating? It's, it, it's, it's a crazy experience with Ed. He's, you know, I first met him in seventh grade, uh, put him in a D-line stance in the summer of his seventh grade and worked with him in seventh and eighth grade and then, you know, was able to coach him all through his high school career and then two years in college. But, um, you know, I knew, I knew that he had that, the competitor in him. Um, when, when I, when I went over to watch him in eighth grade, they were out playing 
uh, it was kind of like backyard football, but it was during PE. There was a group that was playing football and another group that was on the track and they were playing football and, you know, and, and Ed wanted the ball every time and Ed was going to try to, you know, he wasn't going to go around people. He's going to try to run them over. Um, you know, he, 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 surprisingly his mouth still moved as fast as it did as it does right now. Um, you know, and, and he'll, he'll say the same thing, but, um, you know, I, I just knew that when he came up, when he, when, when, when I really got a chance to work with him on the daily, uh, when he was a freshman, um, just his, just his change of direction, you know, what people don't realize is that Ed was pushing a little over 290 um, his freshman year. I mean, he was pudgy. And, uh, you know, he was pudgy, but, man, his side to side, his stick his foot in the ground and turn and run, um, you know, you could see it. You, it was just uh, college, you know, recruiters use the word twitchy. You know, I mean, it's just you. it, it was like a rubber band snap in the way he moved and, um, you know, I kind of knew then that we had something and then, you know, his sophomore year, he jumped over one of those John Deere gators, uh, the long way, you know, oh, from wow, the bed wow. to the, yeah. And, you know, you're watching a kid, a kid and, and, you know, and Ed will tell you the hardest thing about being around Ed is making sure Ed doesn't hurt himself, you know, cause he's just, he's a kid. You know, he, he just wants to throw himself up against the wall and, you know, run around. And I mean, it's, you know, and, and that was, that was tough as a coach, you know, because everybody feeds off of Ed, you know, everybody. And when Ed, you know, starts going, you know, it's kind of hard to get Ed to stop. You know, one, one thing that, that, uh, that I asked guys who coached guys of that caliber and I, we, we, we were, we're fortunate, really fortunate to have, some guys like that here um, that that w- w- have gone on to to play, uh, you know, big college ball, and and I think you know one of the tough things about coaching kids like that is since they start you know, picked up a football, they've always been bigger, faster, stronger than everyone, more athletic, and so I think one of the biggest challenges is is to getting them to not just rely on their athleticism and not allow their athleticism, their natural born ability to be really a hindrance or an enemy because uh, as you, as those guys get further on into the, you know, higher levels of football technique becomes super important. And so with a, with a guy like, like, like Ed, how did you get him to buy into, Hey man, this is how you have to play the position. I mean, you know, the, the cool thing about, uh, you know, when I was at Westfield and especially when, when, when I started calling it, you know, myself and, and Desmar Black, he called the back end and I called the front end um, as a coordinators. And the cool thing about it was we kept, you know, we ran a four down and we kept our two interior guys on one side. So you could be a three technique one play. You could be a, a two eye the next play. You could be a shade the next play. You could be back to a three technique. So, you know, you can you can do all you want and have – you know, a huge step get off as a one technique and think you're a badass. But then that next play when you're a three technique and you go flying upfield and your helmet gets knocked off, you know, because you get trapped and you don't squeeze on a down block. Uh, you know, the, 
the onus of responsibility was on them because they weren't typecasted into a single responsibility from a scheme standpoint. Yeah. You know, they were, um, you know, they were, they had to play both. And, you know, and, you know, as, as a D line coach, those are two different monsters and, you know, you could really train them hard if you focused on coaching them individually. Right. Um, but, you know, to be able to coach them both and to be able to shift, you know, and say, hey, one player, a three, one player, a two, I, it, it's kind of easy to say, okay, these are the drills that we have to do to make sure that you're successful, you know, playing both. So from that standpoint, the guys, the guys knew. I mean, the competition level, especially in spring ball, when you're going, you know, Westfield High School, I mean, it's 11 on 11. It's bone on bone, you know, and, and it, it gets rough. And, and you know, heaven forbid, if you're a three technique and you get your ass trapped, there's 11, there's 10 guys that are on your butt. There's a couple coaches. And then there's a bunch of dudes on the sideline that that'll probably clown you. You know, it's just the mentality. It's just the environment. It's it's weird because the pressure that I experienced coaching at Westfield came from within. It came from the peers. Um, the pressure that it seems like I experienced a little more in a difference at Katy High School is 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 the community and the tradition. You know, um, but again, you're talking about you know two different programs. One program that hasn't won a state title, and then one that that's won multiple, but. At the same time, you know, I still think that relates to how your kids play and, and you know, how they're going to perform. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I, I think that that is um, an interesting point when you do have those guys playing so many different positions <laughs> that they, you know, they really have to pay attention. And, and you're right, once they get trapped a couple times and that, that, that seems to sort of uh, – uh, get them um, get them paying attention to the technique they're playing. I do want to go back uh, towards the end of our conversation today and, and kind of talk about, you know, what it's like going from coaching high school football to college and the difference. Yeah, yeah. But I want to, I want to, uh, you know, these guys for listening, I know that, that want to get into meat and potatoes. I want to go ahead and start doing that now. Okay. Um, so we talked in, in kind of earlier conversations uh, about about get off and and I know that you know I, I shared with you that that's kind of something I've really been looking into this off season and you know kind of tinkering with um, and and obviously as you already mentioned you're a details detail oriented guy so uh, I, I know that you have have a, a way you want to teach this so talk about get off and and your philosophy on that you know basically it's it's paramount I mean it, it's the top it. it it gets it's the starting point in regards to you know the success of a guy the way i teach it is um you know we're always going to work initially in a single gap read so we're always going to step with our covered foot and the way i do it if we go two guys in a drill you know the guy you know the ball's in the middle and the guy you know inside foot back if we go four guys same thing inside foot back on each side of the ball um you know from a progression standpoint um the the easiest way i can i can describe it is uh it's it's three steps and what it is is your first step on your get off is basically a slam step um 
there's some people that refer to a zero step where they're going to, that's their push off weight. Um, some guys talk about a six inch step. Um, all I want to do is I want to see that, that, that staggered back foot. I want to see that first step slam in the ground as fast as it can. And basically it's, I call it slam chop chop. And that is a, we'll, we'll do a stance hold drill where they're going to, they're going to hold their stance and then they're going to get their, they're, they're going to get in their stance. And then we're going to work on those three steps, slam, chop, chop. We're going to slam the back foot and we're going to chop, chop to gather our feet. So once we work our progression of the slam, chop, chop, then we're going to go slam, chop, chop with a hip turn, which means we're going to open our hips whichever direction the ball's pointing. So we work our slam, chop, chop. We work our slam, chop, chop with a direction. And then we actually go to the line of scrimmage and we put the drill together. So before we even snap a ball, we've worked on average 10 minutes of five, you know, five minute, five minute stance. I'm sorry, five minute slam shot slams, five minutes of, you know, opening the hips in the direction. Um, the reason I focus on opening the hips is because when you open the hips, you turn the toe in the direction that you're going. Um, probably one of the biggest things that goes on, you know, really from a detail standpoint is guys want to, you know, they want to get on kids about, you know, running to the ball, running to the ball, but are the, are, are, you, are they opening their hips? Are they turning that toe in the direction they're going or are they rounding it off? You know, I mean, it's all the details. Um, you know, the same goes for, you know, an example, when you're turning the toe, you know, if a defensive end is, you know, working a vertical pass rush and he's working his speed, if he just stays vertical, there's a good chance his inside toe is staying forward. That inside toe has got to turn, which in turn is going to turn the knee to the target. So, you know, when we talk about ball get off, we're going to do a drill called takeoffs and we're going to do run read, which in turn is basically your slam chop chop. And when we slam chop chop out of our off the line of scrimmage, we do we we chop in what's called the chop zone. And the chop zone is basically from the heel line of the, the offensive lineman to about six inches back. So if you can imagine where the football is, it's probably about 18 inches beyond the football. Okay. And we do not want to cross the chop zone. If we get through the chop zone into the backfield, we've gone too far. If we do not cross the line of scrimmage, we haven't gone far enough. So what I do is I do the drill on the back line of the goal line of the end zone, which is approximately the width of the football. And if you do that, you put their fingertips on that end line. When they come out, they should get beyond that white line, if that makes sense. And, and again, you know, I'll get you the, the drill tape when we talk about it next week, but now you've given them visual, visual cues in, in, in regards to where they have to go. What's their destination? Okay. I got off the ball and I slammed chop chop. Okay. So now I got to see where I'm at. Did I get too far upfield? Did I not get far enough upfield or am I, am I in the chop zone? If I'm in the chop zone, we're rolling. We're cooking with grease. 
Okay. And, and, you know, this was all relative to obviously blowing through whatever's in front of you, you know, but at the same time, as you're working these continuous reps of, of, of pursuit and takeoffs, you're still working your angles. You know, I mean, it's like whether you're getting off the ball when the ball snapped or the play is in the fifth second of the play and you're just getting off a block, you're still turning and running just like you would in pursuit drill or in takeoffs. So when, when we talk about ball get off, it's one drill. And that's it. It's run read with takeoffs. Then we'll go to pass read where they're just going to, they're basically going to blow and go. We want a big ball get off and we are not concerned with the slam chop chop. Okay. Our, that's basically, Hey, third long, you know, we've got some type of, of, of blitz on where we know our guys are getting straight vertical. Okay. Now, we, now we can, I'm not going to say we're not, we're going to neglect the run, but now we can kind of get out of that first and second down, you know, stop the run mentality. And now we can start thinking about, you know, rushing the passer. And then the third variation of the drill is going to be a pass to draw drill where we're going to rush the passer just like we did. And then we're going to redirect, keeping our belly buttons to the ball and retrace through the line of scrimmage. Okay, so let me ask you something about that. Uh, going back to where you said, you know, I guess in that, in that prog- progression where those guys are opening up their hips, um, mm-hmm. what are they doing with their hands to get to to escape? Are they doing like a are they are they are they like a, like pulling with their gap hand and ripping with their with their inside hand or outside? is that part I'm of? Not it? Worried. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about seeing them get off the rock. I'm worried about. I'm, I want to see the grass getting chopped up. I want to know their feet are moving, and I want to see them turn and run. I want to see them redirect. I'm not. When you start yelling at a kid about throwing his hands, now he's totally not focused on taking the correct steps, right? Or you know, getting on. And so, you know, let's keep the main thing the main thing during the drill. And instead of you know splitting hairs. And, and maybe, um, you know, here, here's the deal. Indy's always at the beginning of practice, right? For, for most, for most teams. Okay. Well, we've already talked about the, the mindset and the mentality and the makeup of a defensive lineman, right? Yep. Nobody wants to deal with a defensive lineman that's had a bad session at Indy for the next hour and a half of practice. I mean, let's be honest. Okay. So. If we're going to focus on ball get off, let's focus on ball get off. Yep. Let's praise yep. them getting off the ball. Let's not say, hey, that was a great get off, but what did, why didn't you shoot your hands? You know, right. I mean. Right. It's the kind of the same thing, like, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's kind of the same thing, like, when you're doing that ball get off, or so, like, sometimes, like, most of my drills, I want to go off a visual key. But sometimes mm-hmm. it may it it may not like or you know or I want to do like a hard count, make sure that. But then it's like I don't want a hard count them when we're trying to do work on something else because that's not really the point of the drill. Yes, sure, I want guys to jump offside. So it's kind of the same thing. I, I I'm just and 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 so I get it. I, I was just making sure as I'm going through my mind, like so it's really not not so much about that. It's about yeah, opening those hips, pointing that toe, like you said, so so that they do know how to actually you know, 
take the, the proper pursuit angle. Yeah, and- I mean, how, how are they going to come out of stack? I mean, you, yeah. you know, you don't want a guy, you know, that can run, you know, four, seven, four, you know, four or five extra yards. Cause he's got a really crappy angle. And, yeah. you know, I just think, you know, a lot of people, and I'm not going to paint with too big of a paintbrush, but you know, a lot of people say, Oh, well, defense gets all the athletes and they can run and do that. So, you know, just let them run. Oh, it is running and tackling, right? <laughs> you sound like, uh, you know, like a quarterback coach, you know, like the visor wearing quarterback coach who's never, uh, never been over. To the <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. He's got the, <laughs> he's got the Waffle House offensive play calling sheet on the there sideline. You go. That's right. 48 different colors. That's right. That's right. Yeah. How hard is it? All you do is see ball, hit ball. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's. So, so you got those. So you got that drill, which I really, really like. I like the slam chop chop. Um, you know, we we were talking about this the other day about. You know, I think sometimes, kind of like what you're talking about, I've been guilty of this, and I was guilty of this this past year. You can, you know, so there is there's being detail oriented, but then there's getting bogged down in stuff that maybe is not that important. Yeah. And and I think I did that this year, some with where that step lands, and we talked about that, and and just focusing on that and then at the at the sacrificing some some explosiveness and, and getting some knockback um, right and, and so i think that's one of those things you're talking about with that drill like hey let's just focus on you know it's kind of like when you're you know if you're if you're coaching someone up on a golf swing if you tell them 10 different things they can't even get the club head back right i mean that, that's exactly right. kind of focus on one thing and like hey for this per, this drill i'm gonna ignore your elbow and we're going to look at your hips and we're going to, you know, we're going to, I'm just going to focus on this. The kids know. I mean, like I always tell the kids, I, I, I want them to know what's coming down the pike. You know, I mean, obviously we know as coaches, we want to throw some curveballs at them during practice, but I want them to know that, Hey, we got 15 minutes of Indy and it's going to be a 10 minute banger. And, and you know, it's going to feel you're, you're, it's going to hurt. It's Tuesday. Indy is supposed to, you know, Indy, our mentality, my mentality as a D-line coach has always been Indy should be the hardest part of practice. When Indy's over, you should, as a D-lineman, say, okay, here we go. Now we can, you know, now we can go to work. You know, we're done truly grinding. Now it's time to, okay, you know, focus on, on the main thing, you know, play, you know, playing ball. So you kind of talked about, you know, how you divide up your Indy time. And and mm-hmm. one of the struggles I think being at a and I'm at a quote unquote smaller school, um, you know, it's a that's that's relative, but we're at a place where we do share players and and we have split practices. Although that may be something uh, I don't know that we're kind of looking at, but um, you know, so sometimes indie time can be really limited, especially like sure. in, in smaller schools. So if you're coaching at a school with very limited individual time each week. What what mm-hmm. what skills are you making sure that you get covered with your guys? I think if you know you're coming down, uh, you know, the alley of practice time and what am I going to do, I, I think that's when you have to really, really focus on those first couple weeks of camp and know that, you know, the stance drills, the stuff that you do, those two weeks, you know, seven days of camp, you may never go back to the rest of that year, you know, and and I think the kids need to know that, 
those drills need to be challenging to a point where the kids know, damn, man, if we, if we don't get this right, we're not moving off. And, um, you know, so from that standpoint, initially it's like, try to teach as much as you can, um, as fast as you can, you know, almost like, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, scripting and, you know, a defensive script, you know, for practice to see how things work. But then at the end of the day, you know, if your time's limited, you know, you got to go back and really what's the main thing, you know, it's like you said, getting off the ball. Okay. Which you may have to, um, you know, for the first time in my career, I didn't do takeoffs every day in practice. This here everyday drill doesn't mean you do that drill every day, but there should be about 10 to 12 drills that you have titled as everyday drills where, okay, this is my tool belt. Okay. We're, you know, we're not, uh, I don't know. We're not good at locking out right now and crossing face and pursuit. So we're going to work, you know, we're going to work that drill. Um, you know, and I think what it ends up doing is you itemize, you itemize your weaknesses and then it focuses you on your strength, you know, what you have to focus on that week. Um, you know, believe it or not, you know, there were, there were times, you know, during, especially in the playoffs, you know, uh, individual time was limited. Um, and, and it, and it came down to more or less obvious trust. There was going to be a primary drill of the day. And that's kind of what it got down to, you know, obviously early in the season, you're, you're heavier on Indy and stuff like that. You scale it back later in the season. Um, but you know, I think when you, you're at a smaller school and you have limited time, you have to be able to kind of be able to do the, you know, like I said, talked about the whole part, whole thing earlier, you know, be able to, to do the drill, but then, okay, Hey guys, we're going to do that drill today, but today we're going to focus on this kind of like what you were saying with the hips, you know, getting off the ball. Hey, we're going to get off the ball today, but we're, you know, we're doing a good job of getting off the ball, but we're not coming out of stack. We're not getting out of pursuit. So today we're going to focus on, on opening our hips. You know what I mean? So I, I think, I think it takes some creativity from a standpoint of being able to, to adjust a drill and, and modify a drill. I mean, you know, half my drills are stolen and the other half are made up, you know, 30 seconds before the thing gets run and you walk away going, holy crap, that's an awesome drill. Like yeah. that is just like a game situation. Yeah. And, you know, it ends up being one of your go-to, go-to drills. So, you know, I just think you have to, I think one thing it's taught me is you have to be open-minded. You got to be willing to, you know, modify. And, and, you know, I think the hardest thing as a, as a coach is you've got to be able to ask somebody to, to evaluate your drills and maybe give you the the feedback that you don't want to hear. You know, maybe, maybe somebody has to tell you, you know, you're wasting too much time on this. You know, I think it's just a mixed bag, you know, when you're talking about limited practice time, you know, you got to focus on, on what the sickness is and, and try to write a prescription and get that bad boy healed up as, as quick as possible. You said be creative. And I think that's exactly right. Um, that, you know, if you do, if you are guaranteed 20, I'm just throwing a number out there, 20 minutes of India a day, then, you know, you could, now I don't want to say you have, you have some wasted time there, but you have some time to play with, but mm-hmm. if it's 10 or, you know, maybe 15 minutes, something like that, um, then, then 
I, I, you're right. You really do have to focus on, all right, what's the most important thing we have to, that we're not good at, that we have to get to, to get better at this week. Yep. Maybe last week we sucked at pass rush, but we're playing a, a wing T team this week. So we really don't need to go back and, and work on pass rush this week. We got to really make sure we're, you know, whatever, getting off the ball, getting, you know, yeah. any, anyway. So I, I think that's, that's, that's great advice there. You guys play a lot of four tech uh, techniques there. Uh, mm-hmm. We do it as well. Uh, talk about that a little bit. I like a four. I, I like a four from a standpoint, first off, that, you know, if it's disguised correctly and they're truly head up, um, you don't know who's going where. Um, you know, I think that's the ultimate equalizer when you talk about, um, you know, odd schemes or, you know, even even schemes with, you know, head up, head up alignments. Um, you know, if if you can perform the movements um, you know, it can, it can really be hell for an offense to try to, to, you know, to try to game plan against. And, you know, so from a four technique standpoint, that's, that's, that's probably the, that's probably the best thing I like about it, you know, being head up in the, you know, the unknown. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I've been a four, three guy my whole life. You know, this is aside from being at Houston, this is really only the third year I've been involved in the three down. So, um, you know, it, it's, I'm learning daily and it's just, it, it's evolving, um, you know, what I've taught, what I've learned and to be able to kind of, kind of basically melt both of them together, you know, from a technique standpoint, that's really what I enjoy right now, especially with, you know, our, 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 our defensive scheme and our run fits and how, you know, how our defensive ends are relied on, you know, to, to do a lot of things and within it yeah i, I uh kind of in the same boat spent um you know six years in, in a four three and then and, and and this was really uh started out in a stack my first my first year but um first few years but this is you know i'm kind of in the same thing learning uh in an odd front and then just just like you said kind of melding the two techniques together and you know i, I really do for the same reasons that you said really like playing a four um, I, you know, kind of the way we play it without giving a lot of stuff away, but you, know, you can, it's really, uh, it makes it, it takes pressure off of the, that defensive end, um, because they can be two gap players and, and we know where we're supposed to be and the offense doesn't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how things work and how, you know, because when I was at Houston, we based out of four eyes. Yeah. So we, you know, we were straight B gap strain, strain the B, hold that tackle, um, you know, punch, scan inside, and then transition to an outside pass rush. So that's the hardest thing to do, in my opinion, up front, you know, beyond anything, to be a four-eye, to play the run, and then have to play all the way to the outside of that tackle after he's already punched you in the chest and now he's kick-setting on you. Um, To be able to move to a four technique, it is tough. Um, but again, I think you're, I think it just changes your focus. Um, you know, the one thing I learned on that pass rush transition as a four technique is yes, you have to have a, a, a hard emphasis on that first step to set you up on your outside path. If you're an outside rusher, but as a four technique, you have to really, really focus on that inside knee drive. You know, if, if you're a four technique and you're slanting outside and you're playing to a jet pass rush, the most important thing is basically 
that second step, which is that inside knee drive to the outside hip of that offensive tackle. And that's one thing that, you know, um, the kids were kind of surprised. You know, they were taken aback by when we started breaking it down, like, okay, we're working slant step here, bam. I don't care about anything except your first step. But, Coach, what about this? No, 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 don't worry about it. We work slant step. The next drill, okay, we're going to work slant step, but now I'm focusing on that inside knee drive towards the outside hip, you know, because that is now the most important thing in the world. You know, when you talk about pass rush as a four technique, if you're not getting upfield and trying to get beyond that hip, then you're not setting it up. You know, you're not, you know, even if you choose to go inside as a good four technique, if you haven't sold that guy with eyes and intentions, it doesn't matter. Right. And your eyes and your intentions is your movement, you know? So as you take that first slant step to the outside and you drive that inside knee vertical, that guy, that, there's no doubt that guy knows you're trying to get upfield. Okay. And, and once you do that, your eyes and intentions are set. And now you basically have the luxury of doing or working off of what the guy gives you. Well, let's go back to your sort of your coaching progression. Uh, you talked okay. about, you talked about playing, you know, we talked about get off there. Uh, what mm-hmm. else is, is included in your coaching progression for your defensive ends as far as, you know, fundamentals and, and playing the run? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing, you know, obviously we're still working, you know, getting off the ball. Um, but, you know, when we bring those hands, we want to work to separate. We want, but at the end of the day, I don't talk about separating. You know, I want the kids to think about locking out. That's all I want them. You know, what separate me? Well, you know, they're D linemen. You might get a weird answer. Okay. Take your arms that are bent and lock them out. So if you're working your great ball get off that we've just worked on, and now you're focusing in, on locking your arms out. Okay, now we're going to, you know, whatever you do with your arms, you're bringing your feet, your hips will follow. Um, you know, we work lockout. And then once we work lockout, then we'll go back and we'll, we'll, we'll work some hand placement. And um, the reason I like to start with lockout is because the first thing guys do is they get their arms, not, they get those hands wide. They think they're, you know, big and strong bench pressers. And they don't realize that in order to, to have a tight punch, you almost have to train with your wrists touching. You know, if you're trying to punch a bag and you want to really, really create muscle memory with a tight punch, the most success I've had with kids is strapping their hands together. You know, taking those uh, elastic, the, the elastic things that the kids put on their ankles with the bands in between. Yeah. And and the, and what they and put them on their wrists, and they have to get in their stance with their hand. What what that ends up doing is when they get in their stance, they are, they're able to stretch that offhand and let that offhand hang in front of them. But they have to feel the tension in the band that gives them the opportunity to know what it feels like. So that hands up there, and then when they come off the ball, their hands can't go wide. Their hands are strapped together, so they're going to start to learn to keep that punch. And that may only be a one day, you know, hey, part of it's funny. The kids are going to laugh about it, you know, so you've got to prepare yourself as a coach that there's going to be some goofiness and, um, you know, 
depending on the level. Hell, I dealt with it in college. Um, but at the end of the day, what's the focus? You know, and, you know, I, from a progression standpoint, I was taught, you know, four easy stance alignment key assignment. What are your stance drills? And then, you know, break them down. What are your stance drills? What are your alignment drills? You know, and people say, well, how, what kind of drills do you have for an alignment? You know, well, we'll line up bags and we'll call out defenses and they just got to move and stem. Yeah, That's the alignment. You know, and then when we go to our key, you know, stance alignment, key assignment. When we go to our key, our keys are basically our, you know, block recognition and then block destruction. You know, what are we keying? Are we keying a down block? Are we keying, you know, a a a, a double zone, you know, a true double team? Are we are we keying a down block? You know, so everything has a, you know, a little, you know, it kind of tails off and it kind of creates its own little subcategory. So now you're focusing on, okay, now we're into keys. I've got, okay, we got to work down blocks. Okay. Well, here's the six down block drills. We're going to work, you know, we're going to crush the down. We're going to spill. We're going to crush the down. We're going to box, you know, just what are the situations? And then what is our opponent going to show us? You know, the one thing I never want to do is, you know, practice or not practice something that a kid's going to see on game day. And, you know, the first question that those kids get asked when they come to the sideline is, what are you seeing and what are you seeing that's different? And all I want to hear is we're not seeing anything different and we're good. That's all I want to hear. Yeah. You know, we're, uh, we're seeing the same thing we worked on in practice. Yeah. I, uh, I, I love Again, I think that that's that's great advice for for coaches is you know to have those categories of drills. Uh, you kind of talked about it earlier, and when you're especially when you're trying to maximize time and and figure out what you need to work on that week, when you do have that that, that drill library and it's broken down into those categories, it's really easy just to pull one out and go, all right, I'm gonna go, we're gonna do this, this, and this. And and when we say drill, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be some complex thing, kind of like what you're talking about with your alignment. I mean, it could be lining up on bags calling out formations or calling out strength rules or whatever it is you're doing within your scheme. And it can be really simple and quick. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, some D, you know, the life of a D line coach is either you don't have enough Indy or according to the rest of the staff, you have more Indy than anyone in the world. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. your D linemen aren't on special teams and you know, they're not here. So you get an extra 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Well, you know, it's like, I mean, I have a quote that I tell the kids, the measure of who we are is what we do with what we have. And, you know, are we going to waste time? Are we going to, you know, if we got 10 minutes, let's grind on it. Let's, you know, let's get some mentals and maybe some walkthrough and, and you know, and maximize that time. Well, let's, let me ask you about this. I, I had coach uh, Eric Hammond, your uh, nose guard coach there on, mm-hmm. uh, um, Man, I think this is right when I, when this thing got started. He was one of one of our first uh, handful of episodes, and I asked him mm-hmm. this question. Um, but you know, being at Katie now for for the time that you have been, what is it that separates Katie from you know other programs in the state that allows you guys to be so so successful? You know, I've only been here 
uh, since June. And, uh, you know, I think the, the community support and the tradition that is expected to be upheld is, is kind of, uh, some of the things that fuel, um, I think the, the fire of the kids, you know, the expectations that are already there, um, you know, coming to, coming to Katie this year, it was like, you know, I'm working on guys, I'm working on staff with guys that basically are, are looking around like they're in a drought, you know, they haven't won a ring in five years and I'm and you know, they're, it's like, are, are we serious right now? Like you guys got rings, you know, championships, but when you, when you see the, the grit of the kids, the determination, it's just, it, it, it's crazy. It's unexplainable. The kids, the kids will do whatever. I mean, their, their desire to just, you know, be a Katie tiger, you know, and I, I think that's one of the coolest things, you know, this is really aside from Livingston, um, you know, the first time I've been involved in coaching in a, a community. And I, I think that is one of the biggest differences, um, you know, just the expectations. And, you know, there is not a, there's, there's no questioning, you know, the kids, the kids put in the work and that's it. Yeah, I, uh, my, my experience with that is I actually played, uh, college ball with a guy from Katie and, okay. uh, and, and just trying to talk to him about it, you know, um, it, it, it was, he was, he was everything you're saying. Like, I mean, he, the way he talked about Katie football was like the way you would talk about, you know, a, uh, an old relative of yours that you just have a lot of respect for, you know? And, it, and we, we gave him a little bit of a hard time about it. Cause you're like, all right, dude, okay, we get it. But um, it's like, it's like we didn't understand it and he, but, but that was, and, and that's, and, and that's, that's the crazy, you know, and, and it's magnified at Katie, Texas, you know, and, but I think at the same time, it goes along the lines of what you said earlier about the, the level of coaching, you know, in the state as a college coach to go out and recruit one of the hardest things I had to determine was has this kid peaked as a football player in his career because of the great coaching he's had, or is he going to develop? Is he going to take that extra step? You know? And, and, and I think from a standpoint of at Katie, at, at Katie high school, kids aren't so concerned with saying, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be a division one football player. You know, it's, I'm going to be a Katie Tiger and I'm going to be a Katie Tiger and right. that's it, you know, and, and it's special. Um, so that's, it, it, it's hard to put a, put a word on it. I want to ask you this. We'll kind of close out with some, with just sort of some, some, uh, some lighthearted questions for you. Okay. Uh, and, and I want to ask you about this. So when you, when you go from make the leap from high school football to college ball and it's not like you you're you know you're breaking in at some you know division two directional school or something i mean mm-hmm. you're going to university of houston uh at a time mm-hmm. where expectations are really sky high uh and and you know so so talk about that and what the biggest i guess uh adjustment was for you you know the biggest adjustment to me initially was resources i i was used to 
you know, being the offseason coordinator, being the defensive coordinator, being the assistant head coach, doing a bunch of stuff. And to have a graduate assistant, to have graphs, charts, you know, just anything, you know, uh, XO's video, you know, just everything at your fingertips. Um, from, from a standpoint of it all being new, it was somewhat overwhelming. And, and, and the reason I say that is there's so many high school coaches that want to, that say they're, they want to be a college football coach, you know, and I'm guilty. I'm one of them, you know, and, but the one thing that I learned, and I think the, the biggest dose of reality that hit me in the face was you choose your path. A college coach chooses his path by going and being a graduate assistant, by moving up the ranks, by doing all of those small, meaningless, you know, mundane jobs and his path, you know, and, and he progresses to the, to a, you know, a college position coach. When you choose to be a high school coach, you choose to be a high school coach. You don't, you know, very rarely do you say, I'm going to be a high school coach and earn the opportunity to go to college. That's not normal. You know, the right. situation that I was not normal. Um, but what, what opened my eyes in that situation was just how big of a talent pool, so to speak, in regards to college coaches out there in the country, you know, you go to the American football coaches association and, you know, you go to the lobby of the hotel and you're talking thousands of coaches and it's like, it puts it in perspective, you know, like everybody has, and I'm not saying everybody has their lot in life and this, but at the end of the day, you somewhat, you choose it and that's it. And you know, what are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? And you may never achieve the goal you want as a high school coach. You know, I don't know, but that was the one thing that kind of caught me off guard because I'm like, yeah, I'm a football coach. And, I've coached a lot of really good football players and I, and I can do this job and I didn't walk in and not, and not do the job, but it was, it was kind of, like I said, it was, a, it was a little overwhelming at, at, at initially because I, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. You know, G yeah. are going to a staff meeting. Hey, you got to sit here. You got to sit at the big table. What the hell's the big table? Yeah. You know, like I, I don't know what any of this stuff means. Yeah. So you know, it was just one of those, that was a change, um, you know, and then obviously the biggest difference in my opinion is, you know, in college, you can pick your players, you know, in high school, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit, you know, you either make it work or you find another job. And, uh, you know, in college, you somewhat have the opportunity to, to build your room. And, and I think, and, and that's an awesome thing to do, you know, especially if you if you can get on the road and be a good recruiter. I, I would imagine that coming back to high school, that one of the toughest things is not having that GA. So maybe maybe there's some, you know, uh, kind of <laughs> unathletic little you know freshman sophomore kids running Arcady High School that want to be a part of it. That maybe you can talk into being. Nah, good. I'm good. Yeah, and <laughs> like I said, I mean, that was a hard thing because, like, I even, you know, I mean. When, for eight years at Westfield, I wore a GoPro on my head so we could watch indie drills, you know, oh, after. Yeah. And, you know, I put a ball 
on an eight foot long string so I could stand, you know, five yards back when I snapped the ball, you know, so I was used yeah. to doing everything by myself. So it's yeah. like, you know, you get thrown in a mix and all of a sudden this guy's like, okay, where do you want me to, what do you want me to do? You want me to snap the ball? And it's like, I guess, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let, let me ask you this. Okay. So you've been in Houston for a while now, or at least in the greater Houston area. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me your, your, your go-to barbecue spot in Houston. Uh, Pinkerton's. Okay. Where's, where's Pinkerton's at? Pinkerton's is over by the Heights. Heights. It's over in the Heights. Okay. Okay. Downtown. All right. So what's, what's Pinkerton's got going on? Like, you know, every, it seems like every barbecue place, they're kind of known for something. What's, what's Pinkerton's got going here, on? Here, I, I, everything. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, it, 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 this guy has taken his, he renders the fat off his brisket and makes the topping of his cinnamon rolls with it. I mean, oh, you're wow. talking about, yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, and I'm a, I'm a, I've got somewhat of a weight problem myself. So, you, you know, I'm a food <laughs> connoisseur I and mean, we're talking it's next level type stuff. That is that. I mean, you just mentioned, you know, brisket and cinnamon rolls at the same place. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, come on, sign me up. Okay. Exactly. All right. So, uh, are you, are you a Houston sports fan at all? Like a pro- uh, sports fan? Not really. Okay. I mean, no, it's uh, yeah. per- that, that's perfect because that'll be perfect for this question that I'm about to ask you. So okay. it's been a rough year for well, a rough span for for just Houston professional sports in general. Uh, you know, obviously with the Astros cheating scandal, which I'm a lifelong Astros fan, so that's been kind of tough. Uh, you had James Harden lead the Rockets. Now you got this mess with Deshaun Watson. You know, what's the deal? I guess speak up for Houston right now because they're not getting a whole lot of uh, a lot of positive publicity out there right now, especially when it comes to our professional sports team. So give us your your best uh, Houston promotion for those who are listening, maybe outside of the state of Texas and don't know. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, you know, <laughs> other than the, it's an S show downtown. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many there's so many crazy things going on. You know, James Harden leaves and comes back and gets a triple double and a standing ovation. And everyone loves James Harden last night. You know, it's, um, you know, I mean, Deshaun Watson resigned last year. He, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say that he didn't know that the team was going to be the, where it is now, but you know, you know what that locker room looks like, you know? And then, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like Stephen A. Smith or somebody right now, you know, just hacking on him. But you know, it, it, it it's like it it's either all or nothing. You know, that's the one thing that I've learned living down here. You know, past eighteen, twenty, and almost twenty years, the, the Houston teams are either really good or really bad. Yeah. That's true. You know, That's true. I mean, it, at least since I've been here, you know, yeah. and, and I just, and, and, you know, it's hard because, you know, coaching at the university of Houston and being able to see the fan base is that the city of Houston is fickle. I mean, they, they are a fickle crowd and they love success. And, you know, if things aren't going the right way, there's, you know, 
they're going to make sure everybody knows about it. And, you know, and that's, I mean, that's their right. Yeah. 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 They deserve a product just like everybody else that has a professional franchise, I guess. Well, here's to uh, hoping that that they can get it turned out, turned around. You know, I, I grew up an hour north of Houston in Huntsville, so um, okay, I, I've, I'm I'm familiar with the uh, with the ups and downs of the sports teams there, and and now just it just seems like that, that Houston's in the in the sports news anyway for all the wrong reasons. So hopefully uh, they can get something figured <laughs> out there, but. Um, <laughs> You know, anyway, but hey, they got Katie football, so they got that going for them, and that might be good. that, and, and you know, Galena Park, North Shore, so uh, and, and some other you know, great high school football in, in the in the city. So you guys really, you know, you got to carry the torch as as far as sports goes uh, in the city of Houston. <laughs> well, Coach, I, uh, I appreciate it so much, and 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 really, really enjoyed uh, our, our conversation today. And and um, I know that the guys listening are going to be. Uh, you know, to have a lot of great stuff to, to come away with from this conversation. So uh, thank you so much for joining us and good luck to you guys this off season. Good deal, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks once again to coach Blum for joining us today and bringing it. I uh, loved what he had to say about his uh, slam chop chop drill. Uh, and actually, in fact, I'll have some clips of that drill from coach Blum's time at U of H uh, in today's show notes. And we'll post those on Twitter this week as well. Make sure you give Coach a follow on Twitter at AJ underscore Blum. And if you want to get in touch with him, you can shoot him an email. His email address can also be found in today's show notes. Our quote of the day goes like this. The measure of who we are is what we do with what we have. And that will do it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you did, then go ahead and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Takes less than a minute. And goes a long way in spreading the word about our show here. Other than that, remember to register for our virtual D-Line clinic on March 27th. And check out our coaching network this week for clinics on using huddle, uh, stuff on uh, run game, and some coverage talk Wednesday night as well. Subscribe to our podcast now so you never miss an episode. And join us right back here next week for episode number 97. Until then, remember, you want to be great. Take care of the details. And of course, always remember, keep your path down.